you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast spent all of their money to buy Bitcoin. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I am joined in a room that's filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! Woo! Welcome back, Mark. Mark's back. Mark's back. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good to be back. (laughs) Good to see you again. You look, I wouldn't say well-rested. You look like, you know, Mark. Not well-rested. No. (laughs) Do you, would you say you were, you're well-rested after your vacation? No. No. Uh, a definitive no. We, um, I had people over this weekend, and uh, Mark, you had your staycation week, and I knew it was going to be close. I said, oh, man, are we gonna, am I going to get Mark before the clock runs out? Because I know you were having a lot of fun leading into the weekend. Sure enough, clock ran out. We only got a Mark cameo this weekend. Well, the clock ran out. I mean, we there was we, you know Simone and I had some anniversary <laughs> proceedings to uh, to station that weekend, so that was basically that put a timeline on my time at your place. But I wouldn't, I, I would not say, I would say of all the vacations that I've ever taken in my entire life, this was by far the least productive and least enjoyable week I have ever spent away from a workplace. <laughs> least enjoyable. That's surprising. Just very mundane and poorly spent. From from a little bit of a distance, just seeing texts, Instagram, um, tweets, it just it seemed like there was it was a lot of energy around Mark in Los Angeles. Whether it was good or not, I'm not sure, but there was something an energy around you. I mean, there were a couple high points, but I would say largely a massive failure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, well, it was good to see you. I'm glad you were able to make the cameo. And right, so boys, it, was, it was a great party from what I saw, and I know that I, I did not fun. leave at the end. So. Did you have fun, Wes? 
Oh, yeah. You had a good time. A good time. Played some corn. Watched your three-year-old son roping doubles off the wall all, all afternoon. Yeah, he's got a nice stroke. We got in the uh, now traditional last game of cornhole of the night where Wes later uh, complains that he was kind of past his limit, and that's why he lost. So that was good to get in. What, I only went like 15 and 1? <laughs> what? what? The 80, why the do I even need an bear, 86 pairs? <laughs> you want... Yeah, I'm just saying you want to finish the you want to finish the night with the look. Belt. You guys have a lot of staying power when it comes to me waiting to lose a game of cornhole. That's great. <laughs> Tough performance by John Gonzalez. Maybe we'll get to that next time he's on the show. Who? There was no trash talking this time. None. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming over today's show. Uh, as we move to two a weeks um, for most of the next two months or so. Uh, begins with some talk about a veteran wide receiver that finds a home. Uh, also, a superstar wide receiver who says, hey, things are cool with me and my team, even though I ain't getting paid yet. Uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, what with the NBA Finals set to kick off this week um, and the Golden State Warriors and Lindsey Fulton's Cleveland Ca- Cavaliers meeting for the fourth consecutive year. Congratulations, Linz. Thanks. Never a doubt. There wasn't actually. If you track right. Lindsay on Twitter, uh, and this is the the benefit and 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 the greatness to having a true legend on on your side, you have the benefit to have a Lindsay Fulton type attitude, which was never in doubt, never fear. LeBron is here, and sure enough, that was enough for Cleveland and and Greg's Boston Celtics shamed on the parquet. Greg's Boston Celtics. Tell you, it was a like, tough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what with, you know, that is the big, that's what's going on in the sports world right now. It's all about the NBA. So, hey, what's the next great NFL rivalry? So the Warriors and the Cavs are an incredible legendary rivalry now. Uh, What's the next great NFL rivalry? Uh, And also, a lot of people view this as a a dream matchup, uh, whether it be in the ratings in the NBA or a just, you know, immovable object against the unstoppable force. Although I think it's time to phase out that reference. I think it's being used too often by society now. So maybe we need a new unstoppable force meets the immovable object. We'll save that for that podcast. The unstoppable force meets the immovable podcast. Good placement terminology podcast. Right between a rock and a hard place. <clears throat> right. Uh, the dream Super Bowl. What If we could choose one Super Bowl, what would it be uh, next February? So that's what's coming up today. Let's start by getting into the news. What am I doing with my adulthood? <laughs> It's an excellent question. I have no closer to the answer. I promise you that. Brandon Marshall got a job. Oh, yeah. The 34-year-old wide receiver is signing with the Seattle Seahawks. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported Tuesday. Uh, Marshall uh, broke the news on his Instagram account, uh, posting a photo of himself skipping down a street in a uh, Seahawks uh, shirt. And uh, this is going to be the 13th year for the wide receiver who um, – Really had a lost season in New York last year. Uh, the season before that, oh, well, that was with the Giants. The season before, before that with the Jets was also a down year. So, Wes, the Seahawks need weapons. Is Brandon Marshall in 2018 a weapon? Only theoretically. Nothing he's done on the football field the last two years suggests that he's going to be a starting caliber wide receiver. In fact, the Giants went 0-5 with him in the lineup last year. He averaged under nine yards per reception and took it – Took until the third week of the season before he had more more than two receptions. And I know he's being talked about as a red zone replacement for Jimmy Graham. 
He's got three touchdowns on 20 red zone targets over the last two years. Jimmy Graham has 15 touchdowns on 40-something red zone targets. It's an uphill battle to make the team, I think. I mean, to make any team. If he was looking for a team that he could, you know, wind up being a starter, this is it. They have Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, and very little else. Uh, Amara Darbo, I think they'd love to step up. He's a third-round pick from last year. But not a lot of guys. But just looking at the contract, for instance, it's $2 million with incentives. The minimum for a veteran of his age is about a million. So do the math. He's basically getting um, about the minimum with no guarantees and he'll have to go make the team. And just based on all the surgeries he's had and how he looked last year, I'm not so sure he will. I think it's the cherry on top of one of the most suspect NFL off seasons league wide by the Seahawks. Ooh. Wow. You, so you don't see this going anywhere. I mean, it didn't go anywhere last year. Right. And we're still living off the fumes of his Jets season from way right. back when. And no, so no. He was a top 10 wide receiver in that 2015 season, but that is a while ago now. And he's been on four teams in the last five years. And as Wes, you pointed out when Marshall came up a week or two ago on this podcast, might not be a great sign for the Seahawks because he's 0 for 12 <laughs> uh, in ma- attempts at the playoffs in his career. So the Seahawks, if he makes the team, Greg, uh, the Seahawks are his last shot. That's they, they can use that as their, listen, we didn't realize the hex that is involved with Brandon Marshall. We would have otherwise made the playoffs. No, you wouldn't have. Prediction. Seahawks make the playoffs and cut Brandon Marshall along the way. Oh, that would hurt. I don't know. That would hurt. Uh, moving on, Julio Jones. See, I said a superstar wide receiver. Is that called one a veteran, although decorated career, Greg? A Brandon star. Marshall. He's a star. A star. He's a star player. He was a star. Was. Here's Brandon Marshall it. was on this show. One of a star, one of our star guests, I would say. Absolutely. Fun player to watch. Possibly. Overcame right. a lot of surgeries and injuries. Yes. Tough Possibly player. the most sartorially splendid guest we've ever had on the Absolutely. <laughs> Co-host of Inside the NFL. My goodness, what a resume. But uh, not a superstar. Not a right superstar now. anymore. Julio Jones is a superstar. And uh he his you know, he chose I'm I'm not doing voluntary workouts. You know? I'm not gonna do it. And uh, it's because I want a new deal and I'm not going to risk my body out there. And I just I'd like to get something done. I'd like to get some movement. I'm paraphrasing for what he's probably thinking. So that might not even be accurate, but I think I'm accurate. And he spoke with TMZ over the weekend and he uh, dismissed any talk that he's actually upset about his contract. It's not even that, Jones said. Everyone wants a story right now. There's no story to be told. I'm just working on getting myself better. I'm just working on myself right now. That's all that is. Uh, there's no bad blood between me and the team or anything like that. Uh, and he went on to say other stuff. Everybody's trying to destroy our relationship. Calm down. Nobody really cares. Uh, Julio Jones should get paid, though, Mark, right? I think that's the subtext here. I mean, he's under contract now through 2020. His contract mirrors right now essentially Demarius Thomas. He's making less per year than Devontae Adams. And this is a guy who's been the anchoring force and the guy who use outside of Matt Ryan, who you print on the tickets in Atlanta for years and years. And he's been infallible for the most part. You pay him. You have to, you have to redo these contracts at some point, or you're going to create discord. I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think there's bad blood. I think he expects to get paid at some point. It's, it might take a while. You gotta, you gotta put that into account though. When you sign a five-year contract, extension with a year left on your rookie deal like you're you're getting 
a little more money for knowing that the team's going to lock you in long term. I do like the overall. I don't feel like these OTA quote unquote holdouts, and they're not holdouts. That's a pet peeve because right. they're not. You're not required to be there. I feel like they're getting less attention this year than ever. Finally. I think slowly, you know, Aaron Donald, Le'Veon Bell, all the people, you know, even. Brady and Gronk, they're, that's getting attention, but relatively, I don't feel like people are flipping out about it. It's if, good. If I'm an NFL superstar and a veteran, and I've been playing with the same quarterback, we have the same offensive coordinator coming back, you'd have to convince me why I need to come play in voluntary workouts and risk injury. When you already know the system, you've already caught passes from that quarterback, it's voluntary. Don't do not do it. That uh, zip-up really brings out your green eyes, Wes. Hazel. Are they green today? Hazel almost. Yeah, they, they switch colors, I think. Really nice. I'm, that's what I've been They told. switch colors. Wow. That's what the paramour tells me. Really nice. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like different I'll, depending I'll on it. what's going on. Remind <laughs> me, I need to ask you about something after the show. It's very important. This is from Dan to Wes, that's, if you're listening to the show. A t- what, a, what a tease for some wow. listeners. It's really never, important. I just got an amazing hear. idea. Okay, I'm going to put it in all we'll caps right here. Yes, thank you. In other news, meanwhile, on the throne of sleaze, uh, Cassius Marsh, <laughs> another bro that's all about everybody's got to calm down about the Patriot way. The veteran defensive end claimed off waivers by the Niners in November after a nine-game cameo with the Pats. Uh, said he was miserable playing under uh, the hood in one. Here's the quote. They don't have fun there. There's nothing fun about it. There's nothing happy about it. I didn't enjoy any of my time there. You know what I'm saying? It made me, for the first time in my life, think about not playing football because I hated it so much. That much. San Francisco Chronicles, Eric Branch. <laughs> Give me Porter. a break with this. Yeah, I make some good points. Please. Wait, th- this well, is- where, was, where was this mouth that roared when he was in New England? Well, here's afraid. what he said when he was in New England. When he told Jeff Howe, now of The Athletic, he said, what is it like? He said, absolutely, it's a great thing to know exactly <laughs> what you're going to get. Coaches tell you what they expect from you, what your role is, and it's something I appreciate about mm. this place. I'd like to announce that this is the start of a new trope alert. Oh, it oh. Is, it's absolutely a trope. Trope alert. This is it. This is the new. It's selling well across the country. Yes, it is. With people like Dan that hate the Patriots. It's the let's let's rag on the Patriots are no fun trope. They asked me to do a bunch of stuff that I had never done, covering running backs and receivers (laughs) and basically almost never rushing the pass. They want versatile players, which is what I did in playing defensive line. I confronted Belichick about all those things that were going on. I won't get into detail, but it was BS things they Mm. were doing. I just wasn't a fan. And so I basically, without asking to get cut, I kind of asked to get cut. I will just say. That explains why he got dumped so quickly. They gave up a draft pick for him, and they got rid of him awfully quick. Also, the quote you read, when was that quote from? It could have been before November. They, oh, I (laughs) I don't know. Here's the thing. He had a poor season with some ugly moments that a lot of people saw on national television, too. So, you know, that that, that doesn't don't. Believe it at all? I think there's. I think it's no, not. For, that's it. That system is not for every here. player. But when it when it's going well, you love it. And then when you're released and you're looking back, and everyone feels like you were one of the players that couldn't fit into New England, he he flipped the script and said, "Oh no, of course it's not a fun place to play." Well, how what many? Was it? Yeah, maybe it's Reggie not a Wayne, fun place to play. Reggie Wayne, and it was somebody else. You know what's fun? Lifting the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, but I'm just saying it probably isn't very fun. Can I Ask make Rock a, if he's having fun? Can I make a point, Jermaine, to this trope? Yes. 
more players have given up more money to play the, for the New England Patriots than any other organization. So they're doing something right that's getting players to want to play there. They're winning. Yeah, that's fun. Winning is really winning is a lot more fun than losing. Evidence. Nothing is less fun than losing. It's not for. It's not going to be for everyone. I think right. that that's Gronk thought about clear. retiring because it's so stifled in New England. I'm saying, sure, it's a trope. We'll have fun with that. But a lot of people I mean, Gronk is Gronk has also way. been through the through the machine where he's won a bunch of Super Bowls. He's done anything you could ask of a player, and he's had multiple parts of his body break down over and over. I mean, it would make you think about what else is there to accomplish. If they offered me a thirty million dollar contract right now, say no. Keep me in this position. What if it was? Podcasters. How about what if it was to go work for Patriots.com for thirty million dollars, which would be quite a, a, a landslide for a, any sort of a journalist? I'd rather work at McDonald's. Mm. Minimum wage. I wonder if he had if he thought Seattle was fun, where he didn't really produce, and they gave up on him fairly quick too. Right. Just saying. Okay. You know, put away the clause. Okay. <laughs> Guy's just sharing his feelings on a situation. Yeah. Tough guy. Moving on. after he's cut to say it. Moving on, uh, Cliff Averill, uh, who was one of the key members of the Seattle Seahawks defense on that defensive line, uh, no longer with the team, had that uh, neck injury that led to his release. And he was on the Dave Damashek football program, known as the DDFP. Uh, And he is the latest. This is almost becoming a trope, by the way. He is the latest disgruntled uh, former Seahawks player, to, to hang some dirty laundry, toss some dirty laundry at the feet of Pete Carroll. Uh, here's what he said about how the famous uh, decision of Russell Wilson to pass, the play call to make Russell Wilson pass at the end of Super Bowl 49, which led to the Malcolm Butler interception and the Patriots win, uh, had long-term effects on the Seahawks. I do think that, you know, the team would have bought in more into what Coach Carroll was saying instead of, you know, going the opposite way of, hey, this is what we thought we believe. This is what we thought the, the, the foundation of the team was. And that's not what happened in that in that particular play. So I think guys started kind of questioning him a little more, hmm. more so than actually following his lead if we would have won that Super Bowl. Avril also had this to say about who was really to blame at the end of the day. The situation it, sucked regardless so of who took, who took the blame. You know, it, it's just the fact that we were so close and we weren't able to get it. So I think a lot of guys got turned off by the message. So, Wes, you uh, had the write-up on uh, NFL.com slash around the NFL. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, it, it might help explain why Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett are no longer wearing Seahawks uniforms, that they are two of the most outspoken guys. And if they were tuning out the head coach, um, I can see why – that decision to part with both of them might make some sense. And also, I think your mind naturally goes to Bill Belichick and Malcolm Butler. And will the Patriots lose faith in him? I don't think anyone planned to lose faith in Pete Carroll. It just naturally happens after something like that. I think, and I don't even, listening to the the entire segment with uh, Damashek, he wasn't, coming Cliff Averill wasn't coming hard at Pete Carroll right. at all. I didn't think it was remotely inflammatory. I think it was just him acknowledging the obvious of almost what had to happen in that situation because it was that devastating a loss. The fact that they it's kind of silly almost to say it went against their principles that they threw a ball. Of course you you throw the ball sometimes on the goal line. You you run the ball sometimes on the goal. Line. It was one play if it happens to get knocked down, no one's ever talking about it again. But when it's just that big of a moment that changes an entire franchise's history, it's just like 
you're going to get salty at the boss. doesn't really matter whether it makes sense or not. It is interesting, though, because Belichick and Pete Carroll both coming into the conversation here, and the body of work is pristine. You would take it as any NFL fan around the league. You would take Pete Carroll and what he's done. You would certainly, obviously, take Bill Belichick in any field of life. And it's like, instead, one moment overdoes everything about the entire body of work. That Pete Carroll loses a locker room. Think about the coaches who are struggling in the third or fourth year with teams where you're winning three or four games. What are those players thinking about those coaches? I think it's a bunch of BS. I think it's unfair to Carroll. I think he... Uh, maybe the decision was a wrong one. They should have run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, but Lynch wasn't able to get in in the plays before that. And on top of that, like he had, he was showing faith in his quarterback and faith in his wide receivers and faith in his offensive line. It didn't work out. And the guy who really got off the hook because it has always been Carroll wearing the goat horns is Russell Wilson. He's the guy who threw the interception. He almost gets no heat for it. And Carroll, all these guys, it's one of the reasons I, I never liked and I increasingly had issues with this, that Seahawks team, is that they did a lot of talking, a lot of blaming, a lot of complaining, especially as time progressed. And this is all right at, fitting in with their M.O., guys getting cut out, sent out the door and now, you know, rubbing dirt in people's faces. I mean, if you want to talk about one moment is, and you want to talk about Belichick, isn't it the Patriots and Belichick who had seen that play earlier in the game and diagnosed it? I don't remember that detail. That, I mean, that's that's so. that's attributed well, to the fact that they had seen all that before they, and they knew what was coming. To me, these are narratives that are emotional and kind of retrofitted to to fit what happened after everything. In reality, the season after they lost that Super Bowl, they were the number one defense in football. So I don't know if were they tuning out Pete Carroll when they were led the league in points allowed and they were in the top four in. in Offense, they weren't a terrible team the next year. The defense was outstanding. They didn't win another Super Bowl. I'd like to just thank Cliff Averill for answering the question honestly. Yeah, that's nice. I agree with that. Uh, and I agree with Greg. I don't think he had any, any ill intentions toward Pete Carroll. No, what it came. I saw the headline on ESPN right. like three or four days after he was on the Sheck Show, and I was really surprised that. And I could see why there was nothing untrue about the headline, but he wasn't. He wasn't killing Carroll. Not, maybe not killing, but acknowledging that they, yeah. they were. T- you know, tuning out Pete Carroll. But it, like you were saying, they were a dominant defense the next year. They were It, it just, to me, it, it kind of it's too easy like of an sour exp- Yeah, it's too easy of an explanation for why you didn't get more Lombardi trophies. You also, in your own work, couldn't you tune out management above you and still achieve? Yes. Sure. I mean, all the time we do that. Uh, no. <laughs> Not saying that we do. I'm just saying no. the Shadowy common Link individual Mark's does doing that. it right now. <laughs> <laughs> the common individual. Now, everyone above us in this company, everyone has an off. Love them. Always making Doesn't the apply right to decisions. Them. Always having our best interests, us being the little people uh, in mind. Moving on. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. He is uh, uh, one of the remaining quarterbacks for the New York Jets. They've, they got rid of Christian Hackenberg. They got rid of Bryce Petty. So now it's Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and, of course, Sam Darnold, the number three overall pick. According to Rich Samini of ESPN, Bridgewater's trade value is, quote, trending upward uh, this coming uh, during a time when Bridgewater has looked healthy and uh, has thrown the ball very well in the early stages of OTAs. Uh, Greg, you were all fired up. I wasn't. You wanted to get some, you know, Jets assassination into today's pod. So go ahead. Have that. Have some fun. This trade value trending up. It's almost as if that's what the Jets want, you know, it to be reported out there. I mean, give me a break. 
two days into OTAs, there's literally a column in the major New York newspapers. Teddy Bridgewater could be week one starter. It, it's like, let's come back in the middle of August. If Teddy Bridgewater is the starter and maybe he's going to start some preseason games then, then we can talk. I mean, what are we talking about here? One or two days of pad, padless practice, and we're, we're saying his trade value is going up. Give me a break. His knee injury was so serious. And the the head coach of his previous team even came out and said that the medicals and what they were seeing on the field were not matching up, that him coming out in the early stages of OTAs and looking really sharp, I think, is notable and does open a window for a potential trade down the line if a team is needy. Mike said he looked great like in practice, too, for what it's worth. All right. But I guess that's not a new thing. Well, I guess they're one of the few teams with, if you look at all the QB rosters, they have three guys you could call a starter if the Jets certainly feel that way about the rookie too that if someone loses a quarterback and you want a Sam Bradford to the Vikings like early September type trade Bridgewater's on that short list and it doesn't help that there's a little hype around him well I think the fact that Sam Bradford leapfrogged him on a depth chart last year the Vikings made no attempt to resign him he signed one of the worst contracts in the league and there were reports that his knee was still on the fritz I agree with Dan it's notable that he's looking good in practice I, I've been a skeptic because it's such a serious knee injury. I want to know what happens when the hitting starts, but it, it's good news that he looks good now. I mean, the Vikings call basically their coach says that Sam Bradford had a degenerative knee scenario, and he goes and signs a massive contract with the Cardinals. So it's like if you're desperate, you're going to make desperate moves. We'll see, too, what how it plays out because last year McCown barely played. I don't even know if he threw a preseason pass, uh, and if he did, it was less than five or so. Uh, and that could lead to Bridgewater getting a lot of work uh, in training camp and, and in, in preseason. So showcase. A little showcase. We'll mm. see how it plays out. Uh, here's somebody who's looking to showcase himself still. Adrian Peterson, uh, the future Hall of Fame running back, still doesn't have a job. Market very quiet. You hear a pin drop on this market, Mark. That's right. So he's doing the rounds. He's doing the media rounds. The chemistry between you two has back. gone on vacation. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 it's here and it's better than ever. Uh, Peterson is uh, selling himself, so he goes on ESPN's NFL Live and uh, mentions that the Texans are on his radar as a landing spot. Uh, here's what Peterson had to say. Obviously, I've mentioned Houston a couple times. So this seems, you know, this is kind of sad. It all seems kind of sad. Uh, I've mentioned Houston a couple of times. I feel like Green Bay wouldn't be... A bad look as well. Carolina. He just says Carolina. No other explanation. There's some options out there. You know Miami down there in Los Angeles. That would be a nice look too with Todd Gurley. This is a sad quote. To me, it's a sad it's a, quote. It, it doesn't read a well game. in print. The best running back, in my opinion, of the 21st century. And uh, that's, what you, that's what you're hearing right now. It's tough to get old. and be. If, a you're, if you're the Dolphins, you must pair him as not even the starter alongside Frank Gore behind Kenyon Drake. Well, of course you would <laughs> like, do that. It's like he's pleading with you to believe him. I, know. I have offers. Wait, I it's, just... tough. it's tough, though, because you're right. Like, I, I agree it is kind of sad. But then again, like, we love that players love football. He clearly just loves football. It's like the thing that he loves the most in the world, and he wants to keep doing it. It's, like just, we, it's, it's, it's kind of a desperate shame him plea. For that. Uh, who's shaming him? No one's shaming him. Just saying that there's a bit of a desperation to those that, those quotes, and it's it's sad because a guy that's been as great as he's been, it just shows you what it's tough. He feels like he will athlete. get a call when someone gets hurt in camp. Like he's, I, I wouldn't mind that guy. I, or Texas, I wouldn't mind Green Bay in a little reverse Brett Favre scenario where if you can get him into shape to play the Vikings you know, early in the season and do one of his 100-yard acts like he did last year twice, why not? 
I, I feel – I don't know. I feel like the Packers, like, don't bring in a progress stopper when you've got promising young backs. But the Texans have Lamar Miller coming off 3.7 yards per carry and Dante Foreman tore his Achilles. I still don't think there's ever been a successful return from an Achilles at running back. Uh, in other news, in guys that have their S together news, Laurent <laughs> DeVernay Tardif. 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 Larry. How about that? Larry, do people call him Larry? Larry Americans D- call him Larry. Larry DT. Larry DT. LDT. He is the starting uh, right guard for the Chiefs, uh, a well-paid one at that. Uh, and he graduated Tuesday from McGill University in Montreal, where he earned his medical doctorate. How about that? He tweeted it out wearing a, uh, a photo wearing a lab coat with his number 76 and his name, Dr. DT, the full name, but I don't want to pronounce it again, uh, on the back. And uh, this is something that had been in the in the works for a while. He was a mid-round draft pick a few years ago. The Chiefs knew uh, that he was looking down to finish out his education and, and get the doctorate, and now he does. And my goodness, uh, Mark, what does it say about us uh, when Dr. LT is dominating life in such a manner? <laughs> Again, very lazy, us as a group, compared to him. DT. LDT. I, I just think, like, the whole, like, growing up, whenever they'd characterize football, like, the linemen were just viewed across the board, without exception, as just sort of raging blockheads. And there are a few, but in the NFL, I just think that does not hold water anymore. There's some, they have to manage their bodies more than any other player to keep weight up. They have to, they, I, I just think that this guy is an example of enough with the lug head, blockhead scenario, whatever you want to call it. They are, every year, the highest scoring on the wonder oh, they take they are smart players they're, Offensive they're some of the smartest players are the best at the wonder lick this guy might be the most interesting player in the nfl twice when he was growing up his family went on year-long sailing trips and he was there with his dad like s- steering the sailboat sign me up for that he learned Eng- <laughs> he learned english while going through medical school and playing football in college that's pretty. That's pretty hard. Also to do. signed a five-year, forty-one million-dollar contract a couple years ago. So he's out there. He's a catch, ladies. What kind? Wait, what kind of doctor? Is do he we single? know? I have no I idea. think he has a girlfriend whom he <laughs> met go, while he going through uh, school. She helped him learn. Oh, you got to mention where? You got to mention the great McGill University, University of McGill, where my where my brother went to undergraduate and uh, up in Montreal, at, at which I attended a few uh, very memorable nights in my life, including some raves as like a 17, 18. I believe it's known as the Harvard of Canada. Abba, abba. McGill University. <laughs> what a parents are Guy Lane and Francois. I can't wait to go to Montreal someday. Honey. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a month. LDT's uh, girlfriend. Honey, are you listening? Lock it down. <laughs> Lock ah! it down. Because you know he's gonna he's gonna be one of those offensive linemen that loses like a hundred pounds once he's yeah. done playing. So. Uh, her name is Florence. She was a waitress at the place he used to go to when he skipped class to learn English. Wow, wow. what a story! Forget about the royal wedding. I want to see LDT and the like, waitress. The Chiefs are like the deep walk the down storyline here in this guy's. I life. mean, yeah, Montreal's got some some banging. Bagel and sandwich places too. So wow, Montreal is great too. Well, they, you know, just saying, might, the, might have been a great restaurant in the seventies and eighties. All the major league baseball players used to say that was their favorite road trip of the year, going to Montreal. Bring back the Expos. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, can we move on? Yeah. All right. Uh, finally, in the news, uh, Mark, you might be aware of Brown safety Demarius Randall. Uh, like yes, him? I am. You a fan of him as a player? 
Yeah, I think he's. It's a nice signing for the Browns. Brought him over from Green Bay. Okay. Okay. And uh, guess what? He's in trouble potentially. He needs a new contract at this yeah. point. It seems like he 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 needs uh, LDT's contract would help him here uh, because he tweeted out. Uh, this was on May 28th, um, so this was after the Cavs uh, uh, had beaten the Celtics to advance to the NBA Finals. If the Cleveland Cavaliers win the 2018 NBA Finals, I'll buy everyone who retweets this a jersey. <laughs> and as of the recording of this podcast, it had surged over 300,000 retweets. So I'm going to get out my little work calculator here. We'll say it will be the... Um, not the official official jerseys, but the replicas, which run typically w- with tax, about 55 bucks, I think. So we're talking about, oh, my God. I think you should have to do the real jerseys. What is this number? I can't – I don't know what it means. Is that is that 100 and – It would be 1.65 million. 1.65 – over – Right now. One and a half million jerseys. I mean, that is – One and a half million dollars. Dollars, excuse me. Well, one and a half million dollars – Right now, because he didn't even cap it, it could go even higher. Some estimates have it at one point over ten million, and now over twenty million. Well, they're see they're greasy. All right, it. I mean they're pumping the numbers because they're saying, oh, he's going to buy the official game jerseys. I'm sure that's what they're doing. Don't get cute. He would get the replica jerseys, I would think, not the official jerseys. Big difference. Should he be allowed to remove sports writers from the retweets? Yeah, uh, yeah. That feels Marcus. a little bit precious that we've got all these sports writers retweet. Well, I like the move. Did Mary that- Kay retweet it? I don't know who did or who didn't. I like the move that he... I know you plugged in with the Browns reporters, Mark. He is trolling Browns fans. He gets to Cleveland, and it's kind of an, an out... I, I went through his feed quickly and realized he's a big-time Warriors fan. Right. And this uh, is his way of saying... That's how this started. This is his yeah. way of saying, I may wear a Browns jersey, but your team, the Cavs, have no chance, you chumps. He called LeBron a big... Whoa! Oh. Tweets. Whoa! Why would you do that? Like, why would you do that? Bad why? move. It somehow puts the Hugh Jackson into the lake thing as like the less <laughs> severe scenario going on. With I would that say, team. Lindsay, I would say that that would be problematic, seeing as King James owns a city. But King James is going to be moving in about a month and a half anyway. So, I disagree completely. But we'll talk about that on the uh, LeBron James podcast. <laughs> oh, so it's really easy for Demarius Randall to call LeBron James that when he's seen the other eleven players on the roster. Hmm. Interesting. Cavs aren't winning that series. Let's be real. Probably not. Uh, I would say Warriors in five, but I'm going to re- sweep for your team, Lindsay. Th- Cavs in seven. That would be amazing. Sweep it up. For some reason, I have more hope this year than I did last year, and the team's so much worse this year than it was oh, last year. Oh, they're terrible. It's going to be tough. It could be a tough watch. Uh, all right, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Yes, Cavs, Warriors, four straight years. This has never happened in North American sports. Uh, professional sports, right, Wes? This is unprecedented territory. I have seen several tweets verifying that it, this has never happened. Four straight matchups of the same two teams. So, with that in mind, let's talk about the NFL. What has been, Greg Rosenthal, what has been the best NFL rivalry of this century so far? Don't say Falcons Saints. No, that's that's one of my, if not my favorite, but I wouldn't say that was the best one. On balance, this century, I guess I'd go Steelers Ravens. You know, Colts Patriots are, is probably right there. Didn't last quite as long, 
But it was it, big, though. It was a big deal. I think Colts, Colts Patriots. Colts Patriots, I, I think, was the most deal. meaningful one. Yes. I would say. I'd say most people would answer Steelers Ravens. The, the reason I would I lean Steelers Ravens is I think they actually had better games. There was a little more actual hatred, and they they meant a lot too. So the, the Colts Patriots games weren't always like the classic. How many times did the Steelers and Ravens meet in the AFC title game? The stakes just felt ever? the stakes felt higher for me with Patriots Colts, and it was also Brady versus Manning. But I guess that you just, you pick the one that resonates more with you. To me, when I look at yeah Peyton and B Brady, it kind of reminds me of the great '90s rivalry of Cowboys Niners. I thought it had that level stakes where the AFC title game uh, felt like the Super Bowl. Uh, and Although back then, like when it always was kind of when it was at its peak. Certainly, Peyton Manning's. I think greatest victory as a pro was the AFC championship yes. coming back against Brady. And that was when Brady was really starting to take off. But when I think of the Manning rivalry with the Patriots, it was really a Manning Belichick rivalry and a Manning Patriots defense rivalry that was somewhat one sided. At the time people didn't think Tom Brady was one of the eight, nine best quarterbacks in the league. You know, it was, it was like they weren't quite at their peaks at the exact same time until, until the l- latter part of the decade. Fair. Okay. So with that in mind, uh, what is the next great NFL rivalry? Mm. Mark, we'll start with you. Well, I've got a bunch, but I think one that I could see heating up real quick and lasting for a while because you have two young quarterbacks, you have two young coaches, and you got a lot of young stars on one team and another team that's in development, the 49ers with Jimmy G versus the Rams and Sean McVay. I think that in that division, you start right there. It, it, they're going to play each other twice a year, and they'll probably play a lot of times, three times a year if things pan out the way that, that you, you'd hope for high stakes, and that has all the ingredients for me. I knew that would come up on the show because I think we're all high on both of those teams, um, I and I like that. it. I think it's fun. It's great. I love that. You like it, Wes? I have the exact same thing. Let me give you a little bit of peek of what happened at the 1946 winter meetings. Wow. Everybody settle around the fire. <laughs> we think that, like, all these new rules that they have, these like, they have very busy winter meetings now. No, 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 no. Here's what happened in 1946. One of the NFL owners, George Preston Marshall, owner of the Redskins, <laughs> shows up to the meetings and announces. Famously one of the most racist uh you know, owners in yes. you know, professional sports history. When Jim Brown scored against him, uh, Mari Povich's father, Shirley Povich, was writing for the Washington Post, said Jim Brown integrated the goal line over and over and wow. over again. <laughs> uh, so in 1946, George Preston Marshall arrives and says that Elmer Layden, the commissioner, will get reelected over my dead body. That's how it starts. Mm. They, they elect Burt Bell, who goes on to be the commissioner, and he comes up with the any given Sunday quote. Um, the baby gun, I called him. Deadspin loved that story back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're just getting into it. Dan Topping, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, which was one of the biggest teams in the league, an NFL landmark franchise, decides to leave and join the All-American Football Conference, which is just starting. Dan Reeves, who owns the champion Cleveland Rams, threatens to leave the league if they don't let him go to Los Angeles. In order to go to Los Angeles, the black newspaper writers have mandated that the the Rams have to become integrated. So within days, all of this happens. They lose a New York franchise. They move to L.A. Twelve years before the Brooklyn Dodgers Mm. of baseball fame moved to L.A., the Rams move out there. And that starts the rivalry with the 49ers in 1946. Twelve years before baseball hits the West Coast, 
football becomes the first sport to go truly coast to coast. Mm. So this is now – it's coming all the way back around. The so now it's the rivalry. connecting with the future. That's how it all started. I mean, it bubbled up when they – This is a long-time rivalry. Time is a flat circle. You had, you had Joe Montana in the Niners. You had Jim Everett in the Rams. But the Niners had their number every single time. Yeah, the Rams were like the second best team. That's the last the time NFC those West. two have really been a rivalry, these two teams. I think this is like the perfect answer because in a league where the teams are going to – most of them are going to be totally different in three or four years – I'll bet on Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay still being there in five years and still matching wits and kind of growing up together as great head coaches in that division. Are the Niners ready now, though? That's the question. Are they ready in 2018? Uh, We don't know yet, but it's a fair question. I think the offense is ready. I mean, we were saying the same thing about the Rams last year. So people in the desert think so. People love people love the. Niners this year. Really? Very, very popular team, which it makes sense, you know, the way they finished last year. Um, wonder what Spicy thinks. I can always call him up and ask him. Uh, so you got – you have the same one. Did you have the same thing as well, Greg? I mean, that, that was definitely one that was on my mind, but I, yeah. had, a, I had a few possibilities. I'll throw a, a, a player v. player rivalry out, um, and it won't be one where they see each other much. In fact, they'll never be on the same field together. But for reasons that are obvious to everyone, Sam Darnold versus Saquon Barkley is going to be a great, great, great rivalry in New York uh, between two fan bases uh, where you have the the guy that was supposed to be the successor to Eli Manning uh, ends up now being the potential successor to Joe Namath. And then you have Barkley, who the Giants love so much they decided to pass on a quarterback and let him go to little brother next door. I think this is going to be a really fun subplot. It makes me wish I still lived in New York because it's going to be something that's going to be a major talk radio uh, topic and in the back pages uh, for years to come potentially, and you might not even know how it's going to shake out for three years, five years, ten years, Uh, but I love that as forever – And as a Yankee fan, for instance, you always look at the Mets as kind of little brother and like, oh, that's cute, whatever. And Giants fans look at Jets fans the same way. It's not a real rivalry uh, because the Jets almost play a different sport the way the Giants have operated the last 60-plus years in professional football. But now, all of a sudden, for the first time, the Jets might have the upper hand if if this clicks in the right way and it it will stick to the craw of every Giant fan in a way – that gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> so this is very exciting uh, time. Uh, two major impact college players uh, going head-to-head through the years, but not really head-to-head, but the fan bases that will inflame the rivalry in New York. I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. Oh, you, oh, this is good, though, because you don't like the Giants, so you can but you could root with me on this. My issue with New York teams in every sport isn't just that every time someone sneezes, it's news. It's that we're subjected to boring, boring teams from New York, and they get all of the attention. Mm. So I hope they do become exciting. I think less so in football. You know, at least because football is the only sport where a team. (laughs) That's insane. They get so much public. The Jets were awful, and because they had Tebow and Sanchez, everyone wanted to talk. And Rex, 
Oh, give me a they break. They get a lot that. of attention, but the football is the only sport where you can be a team pretty off the radar and you're still kind of a national team if you're interesting enough and people will forget. Nobody's talking people about were, the Tennessee No one Titans. was talking about the Jets and Giants last year after a certain point. It does a lot way. for the beloved Snoopy Bowl. Let's let's put oh, that into oh, focus. Yeah. That thing has got some oh. juice behind it once again. I, I didn't even think about that. Put that right at the top of the list, that trophy. I'll put, you know, the – a rivalry that I know if Dick Ebersol, you know, was still around running NBC Sports, he's still around, he's still alive. This is the one he would put. Eagles, Cowboys. I mean, I know. Oh, I, I have know, that too. Go, I know, Greg. I know go. that's on NBC. That'll be on NBC plenty. But I do believe in Dak Prescott long term. So having Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz installed, and those two fan bases love to argue Dak versus Wentz in general because they're from the same draft class. And Having Zeke alongside Dak kind of helps even that out because I don't think Zeke's going anywhere. I don't think Dak's going anywhere. I don't think Wentz is going anywhere. So that should be fun. And we know for – it's like – it's basically lock it into Sunday night football minimum one time a year. Maybe and eight it, Maybe eight times. Probably. They'll just make a rule and just play like half their games against each other. This is a, time, a little bit of a transition year, I think, for the Cowboys. Maybe it'll surprise people and, and be a playoff team again uh, this year. Uh, but if they – you know, go get a wide receiver down the line if they shore up the defense a little bit. And like you said, Dak and Zeke continue to progress. I don't think the Cowboys are going away, and I don't think the Eagles are either. So that's I felt the same way as you, Greg. Even with a suspect wide receiver core and tight ends, that offensive nucleus is about as valuable as anyone's. It's the defense. Are they going to be good enough to make that a rivalry with the Eagles? I have a little – you know what? I, I can't stand rivalries that, like, for 20 years are pitched to you as a rivalry, but they are not because one of the two teams is a casket, uh, just an empty casket with nothing in it. And you've been not telling me – a dead body. It's you've a just been body. telling me it's a, they're, they're looking for the dead body. They can't even find the dead body. You've been telling me There's this, no NFL. There's no family when the not at all. empty. You've been telling me this like a about – casket storeroom. A storeroom. You've been telling me this about Bears-Packers oh, yeah. for decades – and I think that it would be great for that division, which to me has been a snooze fest for years, to have the Green Bay Packers challenged by the Bears, who have an exciting young Ooh, coach. I like it. You've got a young quarterback. There's a number of players on that team already that make the Bears a sneaky kind of wild card type feel. You never know. They could have a little bit of a jump. And I'd love to see them finally. I, I'm tired of handing this division. Yes. And, I, and apologies to Vikings fans because they are probably the best team in the division right now. But just handing it to Green Bay over and over. And on the part of the reason is because you get two wins against the Bears every year. Give me a break with Jay Cutler and putting that match up on Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football over and over. Give it some real juice and I'll watch it. Jay Otherwise, I'm not watching anymore. it. Would you be surprised if within the next year that became the toughest division in football? I think it certainly could. It's much more exciting now because you took two boring coaches and replaced them with two innovators. It's true. We don't need an, another kind of three-minute montage to start Sunday Night Football. It's like the most storied rivalry in the NFL, <laughs> the Bears and Packers meeting for the 185th time. And they're always like breaking the tie of which team – one more, it's like, no, I, I agree. I, I don't care about that. Why do you like, hate history? I, I've, I don't hate history. I'm just saying since I've been watching, it's been one-way traffic, and it hasn't been that exciting. So mm. don't tell me about the best rivalry. All right. Good talk, everybody. <laughs> By the way, now, before we go, 
Everybody loves Warrior Cavs. Everybody wanted it. The officials wanted it yesterday if you're watching the Rockets. Oh, please. All those James Harden threes are getting he's slapped I, on the arm. Oh, God. Come I, on, bro. I was thanking God that they did not call those because I do not want the future of basketball to be people faking all these threes and hoping to draw fouls. It's bad for the getting sport. Getting hit, though. I know what you're saying, but he was getting hit on the arm. Don't do not do these fluke 40-footers like you. Okay, as soon as my arm gets hit, instead of passing, I'm going to throw it at the backboard. Give me a break with that nonsense. All right. All that said, I think uh, people got what they wanted. Warriors, Cavs, part four. Now our dream Super Bowl matchups. Let's dream a little dream here in late May. Mark. I have so many, but um, I will just stop for one. I would love to see Andy Dalton and the Bengals (laughs) (laughs) upset the apple cart, roll into the AFC Championship, devastate the Steelers, go to the Super Bowl, and it's Andy Dalton all week long versus Aaron Rodgers. How possibly could Andy Dalton beat the best quarterback of all time? And then Andy Dalton does it, and football is just flipped on its ass for the next two decades. Well, Marvin <laughs> Lewis decades. Is That isn't even my favorite matchup, but that's the one I gave you. I like, I, I like your logic, too, because Dalton is – that would be such an amazing um, build for him in a career that had seemed to flatlined. And then you get to take out the Packers, who you hate and you don't like, and you want to see them. You always want to see them take a dirt nap. So on a grand stage against Andy Dalton, you love that. It'd be hard to live that down. I was about dream. to argue you, but everything you just said is correct. <laughs> Wes, dream matchup. Well, Mark picked one team that is haunted. The one team in the NFL that truly is haunted and hasn't won a playoff game since 1991, the Bengals. I'll pick one of the teams that everyone thinks is haunted, the Chargers against the Rams in an all-Angelino mm. Super Bowl. Mm. That's what I think the most interesting thing, I said this last week, going on in the NFL is what Sean McVay is whip, whispering in Jared Goff's ear at the line of scrimmage. And I get the point that play callers have been doing this for years. As Les Snead told us on this very podcast, there's 32 offensive coordinators and 32 quarterbacks where the edge is gained is on what that specific play caller is putting in the ear. That's where the edge is gained, and really, really smart coaches are taking advantage of that. I like that. I like that. That was my original pick uh, for the Super Bowl matchup as well, but I'm going to pivot. Great mm-hmm. scientists think alike. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to pivot on the spot here. I had it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to give you an extra minute? Sure. Okay. I got the Jets oh, against have. literally anybody. <laughs> All right, you're up. <laughs> that wasn't very long. Three matchup. That's it. Go on. Uh, that wasn't very long. I'm going to go with two two organizations I would love to see win it all, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Falcons. I'm in on the Falcons this year. I, I would love it if they we finally get the home Super Bowl this year. We thought we might have it last year in Minnesota. I think that would be excited, exciting for an underrated sports town and certainly in terms of – Uh, having some pain in their lives. Atlanta sports fans have been through a lot. And then the Chiefs is really more about Andy Reid. I would love to see Andy Reid and that offense, which is just exciting to watch, but in general as kind of a football guy, get his due. Either one of those teams win, and I think it's a great story. Very humanitarian take by you here. Wow. I have a couple of new Greg. I have he's, a couple. I have three that you so. will I'm, like. Dan. I'm shooting for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I have three Mark? that three that are hand woven for you. Terrible. One is just uh, forget L.A. versus L.A. Yeah. I see what we're trying to do there from the PR angle. We, we're yeah. about five miles away. We, <laughs> New York versus New York. That would be incredible, and wow. it would do what you just talked about with Saquon versus Sam Darnold. But how about this? 
Eli Manning, who everyone shreds and already has beheaded, that <laughs> Empty he, casket. last season he goes out with one more Super Bowl win over the Patriots. That would be fantastic. West dies immediately. Here's the even I better would put one. I him in the Hall of Fame if he does that. Here's the even better one. That would drive me crazy. Everyone's wondering if the 49ers are a playoff team. They're a Super Bowl team. They go up and Jimmy G takes down Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. <laughs> oh. That would be juicy. That. Now that I would love to see. We didn't. Yeah, that would be. That fun. would be my dream matchup. He didn't say result. Related. He didn't you. say result. He just said the matchup. Oh, I got the result. Watch out. <laughs> Tom Brady gets that result. Oh, that would be so sweet. And if it was like a shellacking too, where Brady looks like that would be the old, end of the Patriots. And Garoppolo just shreds. That would be the end of the Patriots. He says after their fourth Super Bowl <laughs> appearance in five years. <laughs> no, I think I think that would break the house. That would burn the house down. Mm. Uh, all right, good talk, guys. Really good stuff. A real, really nice return by Mark, uh, who really came here. And even though he says he wasn't refreshed, he looked refreshed on the show. And he sounded refreshed. Faking it. And now we're going to, from here, uh, sign off. And then a, we're going to have a, uh, a content generation meeting. We're going to have a little meeting on an off-site location. And we're going to dream it all up again. Come up with some ideas. That's what we do. It's like, you know, Greg Popovich for the Spurs throws a little, you know, junket every year for just him and his, you know, the, yeah. just the brainchild. All, all of the brain children of the Spurs get together get and come up with ideas. Dream it all up again, guys. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. Lindsey Bolton behind the glass, still confident in LeBron. My goodness. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.